Magalhaes to Stokes, who's onside. Watch out! Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome. This is episode 69 of the Saints FC podcast and I'm absolutely delighted to have on the line Mr. Tom Parker. Tom, how the devil are you? I'm very good, John. How are you today? Yeah, I'm feeling quite chipper. Um, I've had to drag myself away from the Brexit debate happening on the BBC Parliament channel that my wife is watching. Um, Riveting. Yeah, having just watched Ken Clark um, speaking to Jacob Rees-Mogg about the rules of Parliament and this, that and the other. So, um, you know, I'm aware that there's going to be some people watching us live, choosing us over the House of Commons, which, of course, is the most sensible thing you can do with your Tuesday night on the 3rd of September 2019. (laughs) I think, you know, you're better dressed than (laughs) Rees-Mogg. Yeah, fortunately, we're not doing this with the video today. So, um... Tom, there is one other thing you could do that is even more sensible um, than listening to the Saints FC podcast. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe just a little bit less sensible than listening to the Saints FC podcast, but very important that you do it. And that is get yourself from some free beer from Beer 52. Free beer is the best beer, John. Yeah, free beer. Sh- shall I tell you about it, Tom? Do you want, do you want to know more? Please, please. Always, John, always. Okay. Head to... Beer52, that's B-E-E-R, number five, number two, dot com, forward slash saints. And that will take you to our very special offer that we have got for you listeners of the Saints FC podcast, which is a box of 10 free beers, crafty beers, um, sent and curated by beer experts who've been traveling around the universe trying to find the best beer. Uh, in the world and then kind of curating it into a little box for you and um, in that box I also got some beef jerky and a magazine about craft beer Tom. That is a good night in that John. <laughs> ten, ten bottles of beer and some beef jerky. Um, so anyway. More than, maybe more than one night in ten bottles. Yeah I mean you know what, what's even better to I mean you could you could just like start sharing couldn't you? Yeah, share the beers with other people. I think that's probably the nicest thing that you can you can do when you've got that many beers. Um, anyway, so that's beer52.com forward slash saints for your free beers. Oh, I say free with a little bit of an asterisk. You do have to pay for the postage, which is £4.95, but that's fairly reasonable, isn't it? If someone's going to give you free beer, yeah, you're willing to pay the postage for it. And it is a subscription service, but you don't have to stick in for the whole subscription. You can cancel after the first month if you don't like the beers or if you don't want to continue on with the subscription. But what we need to do, Tom, is continue on with the podcast. And there's some very, very important business to get through. Should we start with the League Cup? Let's do that, John. Wait, who can you... Are we playing anyone significant? Can you give me some details? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Did, 
did did you did you notice it? I mean, I just thought you wanted to talk about you know that absolutely fantastic uh, victory that we had away to high flying Fulham and and the Michael Obafemi goal. Is is that not the case? We can do that. We can also. I think we're playing. We're playing a certain certain team beginning with with P, aren't we? From down the road. Ah, oh, Peterborough. Yes. Yeah. Our old <laughs> foes. Well, Plymouth for you, John. Plymouth. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 not our really big rivals, is it? Northampton, or, or Bournemouth, as they would love us to be. <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's the big one, John. It's the one we've all been waiting for. Oh, oh yes, that is right. For any Saints FC podcast listener who um, has not experienced this before, Southampton versus Portsmouth. It is the absolute big one. Um, I can't it's wait. Can you? No, I, I was at the last one of the. I think I was at the last one of these games, and the atmosphere is. is I think I've been to two of them. And the atmosphere is just beyond belief. This one's going to be huge. Um, yeah, I mean, so have you ever managed to actually get to Fratton Park, or have you just been to the ones at, um, just been to the ones at St Mary's or the Dell? Even no, so I went. I went, I went to one at the Dell. Yeah, and I went to one at St Mary's. The one at the Dell, I don't remember much. I know we won. And I think that if anyone's got a really good memory about obscure Saints players, I think we had a guy called Andy Williams, who's like a promising winger. I'm actually making this up. He came on and almost scored. So I remember that. that was the sort of highlight that I really remember. But I was at St Mary's, and I'm pretty sure it was when Billy Sharp scored. Um, and then Portsmouth equalised with some, one of the UCM players, and they went absolutely mad. Like they they went they were nuts and lost there and it was when Saints were high flying and Portsmouth were in big financial problems and it, it, it don't often use the word febrile but that's the only way you can describe it. Tom, you always use the word febrile. You, you love it. It's one <laughs> of your favourites. It is a good word. Yeah. Um, but John, have you been to any of them? Yeah, I've I've been to a couple. I've been to the ones at St Mary's basically. All the home ones we've had at St Mary's, I think. Um, I've been to probably my favourite was uh, was was it did we beat them 3-0 when Marion Pahas scored that absolutely wonderful goal kind of cutting in and kind of curling it into the into the far corner do you remember that one Tom? I don't know if I do I mean they they sort of we sort of I mean we always tonk them don't we I don't want to sort of don't want to Jinx anything, but we always win, don't we? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean that one I went to actually. So Mary, it was actually one all. Was it one all? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Billy Sharp one. Um, yeah. I tell you what, another one which was really good was the one uh, in the FA Cup. Was it when Harry Redknapp was our manager, and Peter Crouch had a penalty in the last minute in front of the chapel end. And I just remember being behind the goal and like trying to kind of suck the ball through the air to come into the goal. And, and it somehow worked. He just banged it in. And that was 2-1 last minute uh, penalty winner against Portsmouth. And and that at that time, it felt amazing because it felt like, you know, Peter Crouch kind of solidly had severed his skate roots and, and become a Southampton legend. And, and Harry Redknapp had as well. Little did we know what was going to happen there in the future. So, um but I mean, just just those moments were were just so great. Just looking here, I'm just 
trying to look. I think maybe that Billy Sharp game was two or I, I, can't, I can't remember. I think it might have been. Yeah. I, that, I mean, that, that was the one when we were in our championship um, promotion season, wasn't it? And Portsmouth were on their way down. And, and we drew both games in the league that season. And I, I remember, I think I remember chatting to um, Richard Chapler about this. Uh, who was one of the players who was leading the chants when we got promotion from League One, um, you know, chanting, we're coming for you, uh, you dirty skate what's-its, we're coming for you, uh, being, led, <laughs> being led by the players. But I, that's probably my only regret would be that, you know, in that season where we went up from the championship and they got relegated, that we didn't absolutely destroy them. Yeah. Um, in those games. I mean, obviously getting promoted to the Premier League was great, but obviously you know, beating Portsmouth um, as well would have been absolutely fantastic. And so anyway, we're seven years later on. This is our chance, isn't it, Tom? I mean, we are so, such a better team than, than Portsmouth. Hassan Hutter has got us playing well. He's got to you take this game it, seriously, hasn't he? The frustrating thing, going back to the Championship games, um, you know, we didn't lose out in the Championship, do we, by many points? Only a handful of points, and if we'd have tonked Portsmouth on both times, we'd have not only would we have had the glory of being Portsmouth twice, but we'd also have probably pipped Reading to the league. But yeah. you're right, I mean, Ralph has to get the players motivated. I guess it's in these sort of times of I don't know, like an old man of sort of foreign imports and you know, and you know, picking young players, the best young players in the world to come and play for your team, you wonder how easy it is to get players spiked up for a um, you know, local derby like this. I remember like, you know, a woman that came I was the last game I was at the Saint Pompey, Billy Sharp, he obviously, you know, from Sheffield, you know, big local derby's a big part of what he did. And they the Saints players seemed as engaged in it as the fans. But you hope that Ralph can really get them going. And my my only fear is that, you know, we do that thing which we've done in recent years, which we underestimate lower league teams in cup competitions. Um, we put in some of our younger players and you wonder if the sort of quite febrile atmosphere, oh God, I've used it again, saying I don't use it, uh, the quite sort of fractious atmosphere uh, intimidates them. Um, but you'd think they've got enough in our locker to turn them over. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I occasionally sit in the chapel. I sat in the chapel this weekend for the game against Manchester United. I do that one like... I'm with, you know, sensible people um, uh, like my father-in-law and people who haven't been to many kind of like Premier League games and, and perhaps you wouldn't want to try and take them into the Northern for their first experience. And I just remember that even the chapel end at those derbies is just, Tom, I'm going to use your word again. It's that febrile atmosphere. <laughs> and uh, our, one of the things which I really remember is there's this guy with dreadlocks and he had like, all the kind of like hippie outfit and you look like the most chilled person you could ever come across kind of like a bit like Neil from the young ones super chilled would, wouldn't say boo to a goose and and seeing him just going absolutely mad you know throwing the v signs yelling at the you know, there's something which is deep rooted in Southampton and Portsmouth fans with their distaste for each other and their excitement for this fixture and you know I am Absolutely excited. I know I'm not going to be able to get a ticket because, well, I mean, what is it to get an away ticket at Portsmouth? You probably have to have been to every oh, away game for the last 10 seasons and be a season ticket and holder. And get vetted by the police and all sorts yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember at the game 
that finished up game, I think Portsmouth were in their real financial difficulties and it was a bit cruel because as the Saints, uh, as the Pompey uh, subs were running up down the touchline, Saints uh, fans were sort of getting out, you know, sort of 20 pound notes and sort of waving it at the, at the players because you know, players hadn't been paid and stuff like that. So, it does get quite tasty, and it's yeah. I think it's definitely the best tie we could have hoped for. And you know, if we can get a result, it could give us a really good springboard for the rest of that tournament. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm just desperate. I'm desperate that we take it absolutely seriously, um, and I'm sure that that most of our fans are. Uh, I've seen a few people on Twitter. Uh, talking about how this is now the most important thing that happens this season, more important <laughs> than whether we survive relegation or not, more important as to you know what position we finish in the Premier League. People really, really care about this one, and, and I absolutely hope that Ralph Hassan Hootel and the players get that, and um, you know that 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 they really put in the big effort and the big performance. Um, do we need to talk about the actual match against Fulham itself as well? I mean. Oh, we should cover that. Yeah. We should. Uh, I mean, first half, not much to talk about. No. I think it's safe to say, isn't it? Um, interesting team as well, for help. Um, you know, we've got a lot of players, I don't know, that, that sort of haven't really stepped up yet this season. And I think a lot of people were surprised by the strength of the A, two things, the sort of strength of the team that Ralph put out. And also the sort of absence of Bertrand and the, the absence of Jake Vokin, so a lot of people thought would be ours. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things. I basically, I just hope that that's not the sort of team that we um that we put out, you know, against Portsmouth because we've got to be putting out a stronger lineup than that. Uh, it was interesting to see that Jake, you know, the. The, the kind of like positional sense around the pitch. I mean, what what was the biggest surprise for you on that? I think I, the, the biggest part was, I think he, he surprised everyone by going this uh, 4-2-2-2. Um, it appears to be. And I, I think the, the strength of the team, there's a number of things that were, but I think the strength of the team we put out, but then also our complete inability to finish off a very demoralised, very young Fulham team as they went towards the end. You know, like Danny Ings that had at least three chances to score. Shane Long had a decent chance. Um, but, you know, overall it was a real mixed bag of the game, wasn't it? Because first half poor, second half good. Good goal, I thought. Um, and then, you know, uh, Oberfemi injured, Redmond injured. Geneto picks up a muscle strain. Um, and you sort of think, what? How does that sort of happen? I think now, you know, the knock-on impact of that is that we did look a little bit threadbare against against Man United. Um, but overall, I think, you know, these are tough games. And I think there is an argument that a few years ago, certainly under Hughes, Pellegrino, um, we would have struggled, you know, away nil-nil at half-time under, under the floodlights of Fulham with a young team. But I think with Ralph, he's, in, he's embedded in enough... Uh, professionalism enough quality to see it through and get the job done yeah which which was absolutely the most important thing and just being in that draw for the next round and that opportunity then to to face Portsmouth I mean imagine how gutted we'd have been if we'd not got through that and then Portsmouth had drawn Fulham um, oh. you know, it, what do you bear thinking about John yeah yeah uh, yeah I mean it's, it's it's also an interesting point going back to those injuries because you know Redmond Gineppe 
Obafemi all injured as a result of um, that game against Fulham. But then also, if you look at the lineup against Fulham, the kind of one player who was really playing out of position on Saturday was Kevin Danse. Um, and the left back was already a problem for us uh, in the game against Fulham as well, because, you know, with Bertrand injured, uh, we had, I think it was Hoiberg filling in for left back, didn't we? It was Hoiberg, yeah. And he, he played really well. Um, but it is strange. We've left ourselves very light. I think losing target um, was obviously something that a lot of Saints fans probably felt comfortable with because he didn't seem to fit into our sort of gung-ho style. And the Danso signing, I mean, Danso looks, looks pretty good at left-back, um, but he's clearly not a natural left-back. And we've we've left it a little bit late. And I think Bertrand's had this before, where Bertrand's had these sort of injuries that no one sort of knows what they are, but they seem to go on for sort of six, seven weeks at a time. So hopefully we'll see, um, see him back in time for the Sheffield United game. But it was a strange thing playing Hoiberg at left-back. Um, but he acquitted himself well. Yeah, I, he, he he did do quite well there. Um, and then obviously, I, I suppose one of the things then we had kind of Ward, Prowse and Romeo kind of doubling up um, as the defensive midfielders. That's not what Ralph chose to do um, against Manchester United. So he had Romeo and Hoiberg um, as the defensive midfielders and then James Ward, Prowse a little bit further up on the right-hand side. Um, and then Buffal also a little bit further up kind of replacing... Well, I suppose replacing kind of Redmond or Gineppo mm-hmm. and then with um, Ings and uh, Ings and Adams up front. So, I mean, again, it was quite a funny lineup. Not so much, uh, I suppose, in the formation because we now know that Ralph likes to play this four-two-two-two. Um, but certainly in personnel, it it seemed a little bit weird. But then from watching us starting against Manchester United. I mean, I, th- I thought we actually started out pretty well. I mean, all, all the commentary and all the reports will tell you that Southampton were dreadful in the first half, but the first 10 minutes, I thought we were absolutely fantastic. We were all over Manchester United. They could not deal um, with our high press at all. And Sofian Buffel managed to get a really good chance and a, quite a good shot away, which just went inches past the post in that first 10 minutes. And, and at that point, I thought, well, you know, we, we, we're, we're totally in the ascendancy here. We're, we're going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, we we really took the game to them and I think it it showed that the energy and I think Ralph's absolutely right, which is that they've got two fairly slow centre-backs. They do like to play out from the back. Um, and, you know, players like Pogba are a bit of a luxury so if you can get at them. But at the same time, we do seem to lack... Maybe this will come as the season settles down a little bit. We seem to lack a sort of just that final ball, just that bit of quality um, at the moment. And I think it kind of showed that we couldn't, you know, we had to score, didn't we? And that, in those sort of 11 minutes, we had to take the opportunity, um, but we didn't. And, you know, we had, again, quite an interesting team selection. You know, Valerie uh, on the bench when, you know, Many would have thought if you're on, if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you should be fit enough to start. We played Cedric, who did look a bit rusty, um, and you know we got punished really as soon as Man United sort of came out of their slumber a little bit. Um, we got punished with a hell of a goal, Dan. I mean, oh, sorry, Joe, John, you were there. Um, how good was it? Well, I, I mean, the finish was great. Um, we we were in the chapel stand, so we saw it up close, but. The space that we gave Daniel James was really quite shocking. And I mean, 
my theory is here is that there, there's something kind of lost in the confusion between um, James Will Prowse and Cedric in terms of the defensive uh, responsibilities. Because as soon as um, I think it was when Matter passed around the out, went went around the outside of Daniel James, you know, Cedric went with him, and then there was nobody going for Daniel James. At which point he just kind of sauntered into the box, and you'd expect anyone half decent to be able to kind of drill in a decent shot from where he was with the space and time that he had uh, but he did do it absolutely brilliantly um, I think he's done it a couple of times this season already uh, he's a very young very talented player I think most people probably remember Daniel James for that game he played against Manchester City in the League Cup or yeah. the FA Cup last season where he kind of like sauntered through the whole Man City midfield and then you know scored a goal he's he's a really good player and he's not the kind of player that we should be giving that much space um, and also, so you know, he was always going to shift it, wasn't he, onto his right foot? Yeah, that was always going to be the thing, and it's a bit, it was almost a bit like a training ground goal. Yeah, um, yeah, how, how simple it was. Um, I thought you were going to say with how static turning. the um, the Saints, the defensive well, was, players you know, were, you know, standing Cedric around like, like cones. Yeah, was, yeah, Cedric turning his back on it, and I think it kind of showed that we can, you know, there's no doubt we can press and there's no doubt we can, you know, get into spaces and be aggressive, but we do still lack a little bit of quality. And, and I was watching Mata on, um, you know, on Saturday and, and like he's just such a wonderful player, isn't he? He's just such a wonderful footballer. And, you know, what he does with the ball, you know, he's not always on the ball, but, the, you know, if there's some sort of ratio for the amount of, like, times he hurts clubs, you know, the amount of time that he has on the ball, the amount of passes he actually makes, he's just such a an intelligent player. And you know, what we would give for just someone with a little bit more, um, I think, patience in midfield. You know, just the ability just to make that killer pass. We, you know, we have lots of people who are sort of full, full throttle runners, but we just maybe like when teams sit back a little bit, we just lack someone who can just sort of thread it through the eye of a needle. Yeah, I mean. In, in, in a way, we do kind of play this like absolute panic football. We try and make the opposition <laughs> panic and give the ball away to us, which we're quite good at doing. But then as soon as we get the ball, we're still in that kind of like mode of panic. And, you know, everyone's panicking. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going to happen. And then Is it a bit like watching, watching Albert play football at times? Um, I, I think like Albert, Albert and his mates. I think Albert, my four-year-old son, is sometimes a little bit more composed on the ball. You know, He, he, he takes his time a little bit more. Um. Yeah. But yeah. We just we do we do. I mean, like we we, and it was quite interesting because we 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 didn't really have many um, good chances coming on, on match of the day. Um, uh, Jermaine Jenner was saying he was pointing out Man United. You know, Man United. Like Salzburg was saying, well, you know, we had lots of really good chances, but actually he was pointing out that most of the Man United chances were half chances. And I have to agree with the same thing about Saints, wasn't it? There was lots of like slashing at the ball and snap shots and things like that but there wasn't really apart from the goal it wasn't really something you'd say we're definitely going to score that no I mean there were a couple of moments where we put it across the box I think in the first half but there were also a couple of moments where Manchester United put it across our box um, Rashford missed a, a bit of a sitter of a of a header I thought um, one of the things which I found really interesting so it's being sat behind the goal is you get a totally different perspective from when you watch it on television I, I think you can see what Saints are trying to do with the four-two-two-two press even better when you're kind of looking at the pitch lengthways. Um, 
and and so that was kind of very interesting to see and and there's is the press isn't constant as well there's obvious triggers as to when the players will press and you can really see it when you're sitting there watching in the stadium because seemingly nothing will be happening and then suddenly you'll notice that there's five or six Saints players just really pressing whether it's the goalkeeper has got the ball or one of their centre-backs has got the ball and then other times nobody's pressing at all so they're almost like conserving their energy or they're allowing the ball to kind of come back and the other thing which I, I noticed is that it seemed that we were quite willing to give away possession and put the ball you know I suppose in the final third and then press so almost like we're more comfortable with the opposition having the ball in their in their kind of defensive third and then pressing that than we are in actually having the ball ourselves well this is what Ralph's been saying a lot isn't he he's talking you know you read a lot of these things about how he wants us to play and one of the things is he thinks that the player winning the ball yeah it's all well and good having playmakers uh, but the player who's actually most important is the one who can win you the ball in the final third because that's how you're going to make yeah that's how you're more likely to make chances and score goals. Um, but I, I think it, what's interesting is obviously the the energy it requires in in Ings and and Adams up front. You know, just that constant press. I mean, every time De Gea got near the ball, um, and, and you know, and I think if we weren't playing against two such really good centre-backs, we'd have had a lot more joy. But I think you're right. The, the idea is obviously to, to press as high up the pitch as we can. And I think, you know, I've said it for a while, Saints struggle in games when they have they have more of the ball. Yeah. We, we seem to do much better in games where we don't have as much of it, which is a weird thing to say, but that seems to my anecdotal, you know, finger in the air, what I reckon is that we're much more suited to a game to a team that actually wants to have the ball more than us. Yeah. We almost seem to panic a little bit when we have the ball too much. Yeah, or, or I wonder if we're going to see this thing of just like hoofing it up top and then pressing as soon as their defender picks up the ball. I mean, the, the problem is, is you, you come across someone like Burnley and they'll just hoof it back and, um, you know, Vestergaard is not very good at dealing with a long ball over the top. Um you know, so so that's that's where we will have problems. One of the other things which I noticed as well is uh, we seem to be pushing the opposition into giving away lots of throw-ins, um, or almost kind of us giving away lots of throw-ins, and then we then we press the throw-ins as well. But then what really excited me on the throw-in stuff was Kevin Danso got a throw in the first half. Oh yeah, and he he he, I mean, is he? The Premier League's answer to Rory Delap has the Premier League got a trebuchet back in its ranks again. It's a real howitzer, wasn't it? Because my, what I loved about it, it was flat. You know, there wasn't that loop sort of no. choreographed to the goalkeeper. It was just like a cross. I mean, that Danto is really interesting, isn't it? Because like no one has ever heard of this guy, and anyone who's any English football fan has ever had is is just lying. And um. You know, he he looks like a revelation because all right, he's a bit of a, a bit rash, and you know, he should, you know, he's just stupid sending it off, but he'll learn from that. And ultimately, you know, Saints weren't too heavily penalised because we still took a point from the game. But he looked very comfortable on the ball. He's big, he's strong. He's crossed back in for Vestergaard's head. It was very measured and very shrewd. Um, and he looks a bit of a revelation. The kid's only what, like twenty years old, twenty-one years old. Um, you know, we've managed to pick up an international centre-back who, you know, already speaks the language and 
already seems very comfortable. Um, it's a bit of a death find, isn't it, Saints? Yeah, I, I I think Kevin Dancer is a big find for Saints. I, I was really excited watching watching him. I mean, there, there were times when his attacking approach as a left back clearly was akin to a centre back trying to play left back, and and he looked unusual in that role, kind of like marauding forward. But he was doing pretty well marauding forward. He, he was able to hold on to the ball and. That wasn't so much through kind of like skill or a deft touch, but mm. just almost through sheer bloody That's mindedness. Older, and like, yeah, yeah. You know, he's strong, it's he's it. powerful. He, he, yeah, he's, he's almost like, get the ball off. You know, I'm so strong, just try and get the ball yeah, off. Yeah, it kind of, kind of works. It's, it's almost like a Wanyama attitude kind of being thrown into a wing position. It's, it's really bizarre. But work really well. You know what, as well as Danso, like, had he not got his sending off? You know, firstly, I think had he not got sent off, we might have won the game. I also yeah. think had he not got sent off, um, he might have been a, a shout for man of the match. Because um, I thought he was playing really, really well in this kind of quite unusual, obtuse, unconventional manner. But it was it was exciting as well. Yeah, I think he's, he's very interesting. I think we'll... If the if the ambition is to you know I think we we'd probably love to Ralph would probably love to play the four two 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 but realistically yeah you know, we do will need to play three at the back and it, and it's nice for us to have a, a much more comfortable on the ball left sided centre back because I think whilst Westgard has lots of skills he you know I, I do think almost it's a waste of his positional sense and his height uh, and his strength not to have him as the centre of the three centre backs if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a real find and, and fair play to Ralph for, for, for digging it out and for having the confidence to get it through. Tom, I'm I'm going to disagree with you here. Not so much on Kevin Danso, but actually on the whole playing the three at the back. I think the, the, the fact that we played four at the back against Manchester United either shows that, you know, Ralph doesn't consider Manchester United a decent side and therefore shouldn't worry about having to play three at the back of them. But, I mean, that that basically means that there's only five sides in the Premier League who might rate higher than Manchester United, arguably only four. Um, So we're going to be seeing four at the back a lot more regularly. And uh, I'm starting to worry, you know, is the writing on the wall either for Bednarek or Vestergaard or is the writing on the wall for Ryan Bertrand? You know, where, where is Dancer going to fit in? Because I think having watched him play on Saturday, if if he continues like that, obviously minus the crazy challenges, he's, he's going to be he's going to be forcing himself onto the team sheet, isn't he? Well, if you think, I mean, we've still got, you know, I think we'll, hopefully we'll come to talk about some of the, the players that have left in the last few days, but you know, we've still got quite a lot of players. I mean, at centre back, you know, we've got Stevens, Bednarek, Vestergaard. Danso and Yoshida. So we've got like five centre backs. And you'd think that of those, Stevens is probably in the weakest position. Um, I think Yoshida showed so much quality as well. I, just, I think the, one of the great things about Saturday is there's lots of sort of unsung heroes, and Yoshida coming on the pitch and just steadying it and, you know, fantastic headers and, and really strong clearances and providing a sort of sense of leadership at a time when we were rocking. Um, so you're right. I, th- I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think 
with the number of games that we are set to play and the intensity at which we will play those games, I think you'll probably find there's space for all of those centre-backs to play an important role this season, maybe apart from Jack Stevens. Yeah, I, I think Jack Stevens' time is going to be pretty limited, to be honest. Um, what, what, what do you think about kind of Ryan Bertrand? What is going on there? Is he actually injured? I don't know. I mean, this happened last season, didn't it, where he was out for quite some time when Target came in, sort of at the start of Ralph's reign. Um, and they never sort of seem to say what his injury is. You know, it's always very vague with Bertrand. Um, and, you know, I think, I think everyone thought he'd be back for the main United game, and obviously he wasn't. So we'll have to see. I, I, I mean, I do think he's he's still probably one of the few players we've got, maybe alongside Nathan Redmond, that would probably be comfortable in the top 16. So I, I do think he's still, you know, up there with our best players. And I think in terms of, you know, the, the defensive attributes he has and the ability to drive forward and create problems for the opposition, I think, you know, we don't have uh, a fullback of similar quality. Um, but it'll be interesting. There's lots to talk about going in the summer, and there has been for the last few years. Um, you know, he's 30, I think now 31. So he's out of the England running. That, that ship appears to have sailed for him. And you wonder whether, you know, if he doesn't get the game time this season, you think in the summer he'll probably look to make that one last big move, one last big paycheck. And, you know, he's been a great servant to Saints, but I'm very much in the camp of we're better with Bertrand in the team than without him. Yeah. And so let's shift across to the other side of defence. Cedric, I mean, you mentioned it earlier where you said if Fallery's fit enough to be on the bench, surely he's fit enough to be in the team. Isn't it incredible that in less than 12 months, Valerie is now an essential player in the Southampton first eleven because Cedric is just nowhere near the player that Valerie is. Yeah, I don't know. Cedric is a funny one because he doesn't seem to be the sort of like marauding winger. He also is right-footed but loves putting it back onto his left, which slows the game down just that little bit. Um, his defensive attributes, I don't know, he... I don't know what he's, you know, he's, he seems to be much more comfortable with sort of on the right of a, of a five-sided defence. And obviously that's not the way Ralphie's was playing. So Valerie, you know, whilst he's still pretty uh, raw and, and pretty um, inexperienced and, you know, it's a bit like Danso, you know, was like, mm. do you remember when, when, when he came in last season, sort of, you were like, Christ, how is he going, how many times is this going to get sent off? And then yeah. he sort of settled down a little bit. Um, but you're right. I mean, the role reversal must be very strange if you're Cedric and you know, you're a European Championship winner and you know, you are real cock of the walk. And then all of a sudden, this this kid just comes in and you can't get sniffed. And you know, he clearly hit the loan into Milan, didn't work out for him. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to him because you know, he's clearly not first choice, but at the same time, if he's not playing right, right back, who have we got? Um, you know, if if, uh, if Valerie isn't playing, then it has to be Cedric because for his strength, it's certainly not Ward Prowse's natural position. It's certainly not Yoshida's natural position. No, I, I suppose maybe then you start to look at Kane Ramsey, and then you know, is, is that too much of a burden for two very young lads to have on their shoulders? Um, you know, it's, it's it's an interesting position, but I'm fairly confident that once Jan Valerie is properly fit, you're going to see him being 
there more regularly. I, I suppose actually maybe out of all of our players, maybe Cedric is the one who can slow the ball down and pause and pick out a pass. It's either Juan Mata of right backs now, but without quite <laughs> I, the pedigree. I think you're, you're over that one a little bit. I think he's, you know, he's a very good player, um, but I just don't think he kind of fits um, the the style. And I do worry about. I know you shouldn't read too much into it, but all the players on social media that are real peacocks on social, uh, that are real peacocks, turn out to be a bit, a bit knobbish, don't they? Really. We'll come to some of those, but you know, Cedric does seem to be a little bit like particularly when Saints are in trouble. He's, his sort of social media posts are a little bit tone deaf, mm. and I wonder if you know we've we've spoken about this before. Where Ralph is like, I would rather have give me give me young hungry players that are fully bought into my team's ethos, rather than established internationals that are earning loads of money that think they are pretty big chops. Yeah, and I wonder if Cedric falls into that category. Maybe he does. I mean, we've certainly seen a few players out the door uh, this week with the European transfer window closing. I think we'll get onto that in a few minutes. Um, I, I suppose just to kind of like finish the roundup of the Manchester United game, um, we had the Saints goal f- from the corner, which I think corners on average have about a two percent success rate. So that's one in fifty corners you'll actually get a goal from. Um, so I'm not sure if this counts in that stat because it was kind of the second phase of play, wasn't it? You know, Danny Ings had the great header, then we had the rebound out oh. to Danso, and then Danso lobbed it in for Vestergaard to head in. So I'm not sure if we're going to have to wait another 50 corners before we see Saints score <laughs> again um, from a corner, or if that's you know, uh, of, or, or if, if that one's a freebie because it's considered open play. So uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what the what the answer to that is. Um, Danny Ings, you know, great header. Good to see him getting on target. I think he's going to get a few goals for us. Chairdoms as well, also working hard, had a good chance, um, but missed it pretty badly. But I, I think it's a tough job being the strikers in a high-pressing game that, that Ralph is playing because I think your probably opportunities to score goals are less frequent and you have to work a hell of a lot harder than most strikers would ever dream of working. Yeah, and also I think a lot of the time because of sort of fast turnover of the ball, it seems to be um, we we are getting chances where our strikers aren't having a huge amount of time to think. Um, and I was watching Aguero um, this afternoon when it, his goals against Brighton, where you know, Aguero doesn't even need time to think; he just instantly knows what he's going to do. And Aguero is one of the best players in the world. Um, but I wonder with like. You know, we need players with a bit more composure. But Ralph has said, you know, particularly with Shea Adams, uh, you know, he'd be more worried if, he, you know, he's not so much worried about the lack of goals. He's worried he would be more worried if he wasn't getting the chances. And with with Shea, you almost need like just when he's just hit him and go in. Um, but I think you know, in terms of the broader work around Shea Adams, you know, he is a player that scored 22 goals last season, but he's also a player that towards the end of last season scored one goal in 16 games so Saints didn't buy the super on form on fire share them so they bought someone who you know smashed the first half of the season then had a very quiet second half and wonder if you know he just needs something to go in and I'm sure he'll 
he'll really kick on. But I, I wonder if the sort of yeah, he's just not getting the time on the ball that maybe he was used to in in, in the championship. Yeah, I mean that, that that could certainly be the case. Um, the other thing I want to bring up is um the irony of Ashley Young being booked for time wasting in towards. Uh, well, no, Ashley Young being booked for complaining about time wasting after he was time wasting about eleven minutes into the game. Um, <laughs> well, so, May United were time wasting from the very beginning. I, d- I mean, that, that, that is the crazy thing, isn't it? It's, I mean, even their celebration for their goal took ages. It was infuriating. They all just kind of ran up to Daniel James. Took ages coming back. And then to see at the end, the then, like desperately trying to trying to do something about it, which I I thought was quite funny. I mean, the, the, can you imagine Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, time wasting it after a, like ten minutes into the game? Also, I mean, he's just such a. I mean, like you got to admire the guy to still be doing that at what thirty four years old, but he is real like. Uh, I mean, put this nicely, like crap housery, isn't he? In terms of like yeah. his little niggly things that he does and. Uh, you know, I think, mate, I mean, like, we shouldn't talk about other teams too much. Man United are fascinating because, you know, we went down to 10 minutes, I think 11 minutes to, take, for, to bring on a substitute, um, you know, bring on an attacking substitute, try and take advantage of that. And I think, you know, you don't want to see anyone lose their job, but you've got to think Solskjaer's got to be up there for the sack race, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he, is, he is definitely not. Manchester United level manager. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking that because as I was growing up, Manchester United were the best team, you know, easily. And I just find it hard to comprehend them being so bad, but I thoroughly enjoy it. They have a lot of very disagreeable players. I think, yeah, they're quite unusual. Like Lingard, you know, like uh, even Rashford's a bit annoying. I mean, I thought it was fascinating the other day that Rashford went through a purple patch where he scored something like nine goals in twelve games, and everyone was raving. Rashford has eleven goals in seventy. In the other, his other Man United career, he's had eleven goals in seventy-two games, wow. which is probably on a par with what uh, Nathan Redmond has actually probably scored over a similar. You know, you know, apart from that real purple patch that, that Rashford's had. So you do wonder how much style over substance there is on a lot of these players. If you look like. You know, I hate. That. I mean, I, I have a particular dislike for Lingard because of what he did for us in the League Cup final. But um, and also because he's exactly the sort of main United player that keeps good, hard-working Southampton players out of the England squad. Um, but you know, you wonder just how much if these players weren't playing for Man United, how much people really would care about them? Because you know, on Saturday, uh, you know, a number of players were just really poor. Huge wage earners like Matic when he came on. Pogba was pretty pretty shambolic for a lot of the game um, and yeah they, did, they didn't look great and I think I think Ralph got it right tactically I really have to you know and I think his celebration at the end which was like if you just said what just happened you think we'd have won um, but I think it's because he knew that mentally to come through that game and to get a point you know go down to 10 men and then just be under the cosh for 15 minutes yeah, 20 minutes non-stop is a real achievement for Saints and um, yeah, that's a game again you know, we would have lost that game a year ago without doubt yeah um, the, the other thing great to see Vestergaard getting his first goal in a Saints shirt and also the other player that I want to mention who doesn't get mentioned a, a huge amount because what he does is is often stops any 
excitement happening. So you never see him on match of the day or anything like that. But Oriol Romeo was absolutely immense on Saturday. Uh, I was going through his stats. I think he made 11 interceptions, six tackles or blocks. Um, but it just felt like Pogba was having a nightmare, mainly because of Oriol Romeo. And then the other thing, you know, as well as all that, all that defensive work, he was passing like, you know, like he was a Barcelona player who played under Pep Guardiola, he, who was really great in the small spaces, really quick, able to find the feet of the closest player to him. And he, he just looked like the complete package on Saturday. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. One of his best games I've seen him play. Yeah, I'd agree. And I don't think, uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right. He was, he really bossed Pogba. Um, and I, I think you're right with best regard. The best goal was the player that we kind of hoped for, and I just hope that both of them can really kick on because they're so important for us because they are the people that are going to win the ball back and get it, you know, back to Redmond, back to Boothbell, back to the forwards to, to really push on. So, you know, we'd hope that the two of those can really take the performance, particularly Westgard, who didn't have a great start to the season. A lot of Saints fans, I think, are still juries out on Westgard, but mm. I think he'll have earned himself a lot of trust on Saturday. Yeah, um, I don't want to get onto the question what is a James Ward Prowse, but I think that might be have to be something that we discuss again this season because I think he has dropped off a little bit from last season's performances, Tom, which is sad to say. But we'll save that for I another. Agree. We'll save that for another episode, and let's move on to Sheffield United away. Did you manage to get tickets for this in the end, Tom? Are you going to this one? <sighs> What's that? Oh my god! No, I would like you know I'd absolutely have loved to have gone to Sheffield United. I would have absolutely loved it. Um, but I am hoping. I still think we're going to try and get a form. Uh, Tom, just let, let's just rewind, okay? Because um, I've got some experience of the whole hypno birthing thing. It's all about like basically. Say so, right for all you listeners that like think Tom and I are now talking about some kind of stupid jargon here. Hypnobirthing is this idea of getting yourself into a really relaxed state before you give birth. Now, Tom, obviously, you're not going to be giving birth any point to soon, but your your lovely wife um, will be, and you're going to be there as the support. Tom, you do realise that checking Saints results. Um, is not going to be providing that kind of like super calm atmosphere, relaxing atmosphere for your wife to be kind of getting into the state to give birth. You checking Southampton scores and, you know, checking to see if Billy Sharp has scored against us or seeing if Vestergaard's like now on a run. You're going to get so much. You're going to get hit, I think. The, I'm gonna get hit. There, there's gonna be like beautiful oh, yeah, whale music playing in the background, and then you're gonna go, "Yeah, come on!" <laughs> and then you're gonna get. What a are smack. you doing? I'm so happy the baby's being born. I've just done that. No, I agree, John. I think you know this is a learning curve. But babies, John, the 29th of December. I don't think there is a game that day. I can check. Um, I think we'll be in that sort of post Boxing Day, pre New Year's Day. Actually, maybe there is. I need to check on that. Either way, obviously, if Imogen is listening to this, it doesn't matter, and I'm fully committed to uh, <laughs> being engaged with the birth. Okay, 
Well, good luck in your hypnobirthing class. Um, and, uh, you know, Sheffield United away is clearly not to be, but we'll, we'll make sure we, we meet up at an away game soon enough. Um, one of the things that I'm quite excited, there's, well, actually, there's two things I'm excited about seeing about Sheffield United. One is seeing Billy Sharp playing in the Premier League. Um, yeah. That's in a general feeling. I don't want to see him playing well against Southampton. Uh, the other thing that I'm interested to see is kind of, um, Chris Wilder, the manager, has got this like marauding centre back tactic of overlapping centre backs, which I think is a really interesting method of attacking. And actually, maybe that was the team that Jack Stevens should have played for because he would have been a great attacking centre back. Well, he still is, you know, when he gets the chance to go forward. Oh, Jack, he's such an enigma. But I watched, um, you know, I watched a lot of the game on Saturday. They played against. We played against Chelsea, and they're a really good team. Um, yeah, and also, what I love is they, the players seem to have fed off the energy of the fans so much. Mm. Um, you know, they go absolutely mad when they score. Um, all right, Chelsea look a bit shonky at the back, but it's not going to be an easy game for Saints. And I think if Saints can get anything from that game, I think you know, I think we'd probably take a draw because if we can just keep this unbeaten run going, draw our away games, win at home. You know, after that we. We go to we've got Bournemouth at home. You think we could win that? Um, you know, so we you know we, we we're, we're going through a difficult set of games. Uh, we're going to come up, and I think you know if we can get four points out of the next two, I think that would be a really strong bit of business for Saints, particularly after the draw against Man United, the winning against Brighton. Yeah, I mean, kind of basically Sheffield Sheffield the city, and watching Southampton gives me gives me the the creeps because do you want to know what happened last time I went to watch a football game featuring Southampton in the city of Sheffield please tell me John Sheffield Wednesday's goalkeeper Mark Crosley scored a goal against us with a last minute header he literally did the goalie coming up at the corner and headed it in didn't Crosley is he the only man to save a mate penalty he is he is like the absolute what is he doing he, he's he's like um, kryptonite to Southampton. I bet he's got a bet noir. Yeah, he is. He is. So it, it, at all. it, it scares but me. Also, isn't it, it, I like it because it's one of the... Uh, I, I like any fixture that, that was one of the sort of first Premier League fixtures. Yeah. So Swin, Swindon, Shepherd Wednesday, Shepherd United, any of those. And, and I think Saint Sheffield United has a really good ring to it. I think it'll be great, and also Sheffield's a great city. It'll be a really good day out for Saints fans. Yeah, it will be. Um, not so much for the Saints fans doing hypnobirthing classes, but um, anyway, there we go. Tom, should we should we move on to the transfer outs? Yeah, Moyelli and Lucy to Celtic. Good bit of business. Yeah, I mean. I think there's a broader issue here, isn't it? Which is like, God, we've signed some terrible, some players that are totally unsuited to Saints and, and lack the quality. And, and now the Anisi going to Celtic to play, you know, four, what, three or four difficult games a season tells you everything you need to know. It's just, a, I don't know. We, I mean, he's just a classic. You'll just never see him. He'll be a pop, pop quiz answer, won't he? I just well, don't know what to say to him. I mean, I was, I was there against Newcastle when. He had a rare start, and he just—he just looked totally, utterly unsuited to playing Premier League football, like he'd won a competition. Yeah, 
Um, let's go through some of the other loans. I mean, we talked, uh, Freddie and I talked about Fraser Forster. I think that's good news for him. Uh, Carrillo. God, do you remember how we agonised about how you pronounce his name? And basically it just wasn't important because the only <laughs> news is, is that he's off to Leganes, which, surprise, surprise, that's where uh, Pellegrino is manager. Yeah, I mean, you know, bad rubbish follows, follows bad rubbish or whatever the saying yeah. is. I think it's, it's just, you know, again, so much money. And, and one of the things, you know, and I think it's really worth, we spoke about before, it's really worth coming home. Is, is that he? We spent eighteen million pounds on that guy. Mm. Like he's not like a twenty-two-year-old. He's twenty-eight. Yeah. So has no resale value, you know, or limited resale value. Even if he had been a moderate success of Saints, so it's just such a bizarre bit of business. And I think that it, I don't know. It just how do you explain that a club without a huge amount of money? in dire situations, spends £18 million on a player recommended for a manager that they know is probably that everyone knew was out of a job pretty soon anyway. It's, um, it's, you know, it's, it's such a weird thing. It is a weird, weird thing. Um, and also, he's not like set the set the world on fire uh, with, with, was it Leganes? Yeah, Leganes, yeah. Leganes, you know, he's been, he was pretty poor over there as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wesley Hoot is another one out the doors. Antwerp. Royal Antwerp, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, what a disappointment. I mean, I mean I, you were there at Palace, weren't you, John, that game when he, he it was his debut? He was great. I mean, <laughs> I think you and I we were watching Wesley Hoot and Mario Lamina both playing a fantastic game. We thought, wow, we've bought two absolutely brilliant players here. But they're two players whose egos are beyond their skills, which is just yeah. a really big problem. I mean, it's funny. I looked at um, um, Hoyt's Twitter, I think, or his Instagram earlier, and I noticed he didn't have a Southampton footballer. He, had, he just said, like, Wesley Hoyt. You know, obviously he's fallen out of, like, he's throwing his toys out the pram. So, you know, it's almost like quite embarrassing cause and they like whether he likes it or not, Saints were still paying him. And you know, again, like one of the terrible things about all these players were loaning out is like, I bet you were still on the hook for the majority of their wages. Um, and these are all players I bet you on big, big money for Saints. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, these are all Champions League players apart from uh, apart from Korea, really. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we're we're probably paying you know for Saints for what, 60, 70 grand for each of these players. And they've all been. If you can't, if you try and think of anything, Hoyt had no positive impact. Carrillo had less than zero. Um, Ellie Nusi, I would have put there in the less than zero category. And I guess you know the next one to come up is is tonic like lemonade or whatever the hell he said. Tonic like lemonade, Maria Lamina. Oh mate, what tit. I mean, there's a, the, I mean the, the hilarious thing here is that he's like fishing for this move to Manchester United, reposting a video which has got the speed of the video sped up and isn't even <laughs> exclusively Mario Lamina footage. It has some great skills from Nathan Redmond in there and he retweets it. Mm-hmm. And nobody who's doing that on their Twitter is about to get a move to one of the big clubs, are they? I mean, it makes me laugh 
because it's almost like his his ego must be so great that he feels and also his sense of immaturity that he feels oh that you know that's what's going to get me the move yeah um when you can you know he's been moved on from Juve Saints clearly you know for Ralph he doesn't fit the bill as a person you know I think it's probably safe to say or as someone who can consistently apply the talent that he has and you know he is then shipped around Europe you know, every club I imagine would have taken a look at him. Yeah, you know, from what Wolves. I mean, like if you just run through the clubs he was linked to, so Arsenal, Man United, Wolves, Everton, Monaco. Um, I think like Fiorentina. He's been linked with you know, like clubs almost on like every single European big league, and everyone has turned him down. Yeah, and now he's going to the Super League in in, in Turkey, which is you know it's not going to exactly put him in the window is it for that big move back to you know back to one of the top Italian or Spanish teams no I mean is is Galatasaray in in Istanbul um yeah I think they are they must be yeah yeah I mean Istanbul's a cool city so you know good luck to him there um yeah I I thought the interesting thing is like I think if we go through those players like Mario Lamina Mohamed Elianusi, Guido Carrillo and Wesley Hoot. That is their transfer fees coming in. And this is not even accounting for their wages, which combined would be more than what Virgil van Dijk was. But that's all of Virgil van Dijk money. And then yeah, some. It's all gone. All gone. Um, and, and that's it. You know, that's, that's it. Yeah, we signed, the, we signed, let's face it, the best player that Saints are probably going to sign in our generation. And then we squandered all of that money, mm. you know, and it's just totally insane. And I, you know, Les Reed and the others need to take a real hard look at themselves. Yeah, well, they're not going to do that. So anyway, we should move on. No, they're not. You're right. Um, Tom, do we have any other business? Any AOB? I don't think so. I think that's kind of we covered a lot of ground, but it's, it's been. Really good to catch up, John. Yeah, it it has been really good to catch up. I'm also at the end of my beer, uh, which of course was free from beer52.com forward slash saints. Get onto that. Make sure you get yourself a free box of beer. Tom, it's always a delight to speak to you. If any of you Saints FC podcast listeners want to get in touch, you can do so. Saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to know your thoughts on this podcast, any podcast, any of the transfers. Any of the games coming up, Ralph's four two 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 formation. Get get anything you'd like to to state on the podcast in. And also, we haven't made Tom sing any songs in like a disco oh theme uh, for a while. So I think we need some more kind of like, you know, it's it, it's it's normally like to the tune of Ra Ra Rasputin, isn't it, or something like that, or Daddy Cool for you. So some it's disco themed Saint songs for Tom to try and sing sing down the line to us. That uh, would be great. Um, so anyway, that's it from us, Tom. Say ta ta to our listeners. Goodbye, everyone. Cheer, everyone. And uh, hey, let's hope for a kind of a really good result up in Sheffield at the weekend. I'll be. I'll have half an hour on it.
Oh, Tom always good to talk. <laughs>